We're talking about unshakable faith today. Part three in this series, we started off on our first week just talking about some faith foundations, some important things for us to understand about faith so that we could walk in unshakable faith. Uh, last week, we looked at dealing with doubt. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to handle just a handful of topics. Certainly, it's not exhaustive, but some of the more major obstacles that if we as believers don't navigate them correctly, uh, they are things that the enemy will use to take us out of our race with the Lord, running the race that he's marked out for us. So the one we're going to look at today, uh, we're going to talk about dealing with failure. Dealing with failure. And, and on the surface, that might not sound like a, a wonderful topic to spend some time on talking about. But actually, when we look at the context that we're looking in, it's, it's really going to be a great topic to talk about. I believe uh, we'll all be uh, in agreement with that when, when we're all said and done. Uh, because at the end of the day, we don't welcome failure. We don't fail on purpose. But failure is a part of life. It's a part of the, the, the stepping process, the journey that we walk through, right? Since we were children, uh, learning to walk and riding a bike. Uh, when somebody's learned athletics, maybe learned an instrument, you know, there's been trial and error and there's been sometimes failure in the process. Maybe it's learning social skills, you know, and the failure was in uh, a friendship, you know, and then as a result, we learned how to interact with people. Maybe, maybe it was a first job. That, that somebody got fired from and it's like, oh, okay, from that failure, I've learned how to be an employee. Maybe on the other side of that, you know, an employer, employer would say, oh, I learned through not handling that correctly, through failing with that. Now I know how to be a better employer. So, so failure is going to be mixed in to the process as we're stepping through life. And failure is a tutor uh, and can be a part of the, the pathway of stepping stones for growth, for success, for significance, just to name a few. In fact, when we look at growth, success, and significance, one thing common about all three is that you, you can't walk those paths without there being a dealing with failure. So the good news is we can avoid failure. The bad news, it means don't do anything. And don't look now, but at the end of the day, that's a failure in and of itself, right? Because that's not what God has called us to do. So uh, the, the thing that is so alarming, when you look in our culture, when you look at our fallen nature in our flesh, we have made failure almost a taboo, almost something that we just want to avoid dealing with and talking about at all costs. And when we do that, we bring something toxic into our environment rather than uh, something that's healthy. What I mean is, you know, if, we're, if we create uh, an environment where uh, you're not allowed to say, I totally blew that, you know, then what happens? People don't talk about it. They hide it. They blame each other, right? All you know, well, it's you know, it goes back to the garden, the ultimate failure, right? In the garden, you know, and and it's this whole process of, uh, you know, uh, it, it was the serpent, it was the woman, you know, it was everybody, you know, pointing at who's responsible. When when we approach this topic, realizing that dealing with failure is is the most important thing, then we get rid of all of that. I mean, right? What's the culmination in our modern culture? We have cancel culture now. 
You know, somebody says something wrong in, in, in a tweet and good night. Like they have been, you're not allowed to exist anymore is what basically cancel culture in the world has said. It, it's, it's gotten so unhealthy and it's the very opposite of anything that would cultivate growth, cultivate learning, cultivate moving into a place of significance. And when we look at how God feels about the topic, we're going to realize it's just opposite. Now, let me give a balancing statement. When I talk about let's not be afraid of failure, and when I talk about failure not being fatal here today, I am not talking sloppy agape, and I'm not talking about, you know, oh, just grace, 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 and not looking at the other part of the Bible of, you know, there's consequences and all these things. So I want to be very clear in the balancing. I'm not saying that, um, that there's not, you know, difficult things that come with failure, and I'm also not saying that, you know, uh, if, if we look at sin is failure. This is not a a, a condoning sin to just keep on doing it because after all, we're just going to fail. Amen. So we're not saying any of that. I just want to balance that out. But on the flip side, we do need to kind of have this understanding. A lot of people get taken out of the game. Whatever part of the race that they're running for God, a lot of people get taken out of the game and settle for far less than what God has for them because they let failure paralyze and shipwreck them. Amen. Amen. So, so if, if you're in a place this morning, and I even want to encourage you, and I realize that could be kind of getting behind the wall if, if by God's grace you'd lower the wall and trust the Lord with it, maybe even deal with some stuff, maybe even jettison and leave behind some baggage from failure that you carried into the room. Or maybe if you're watching online, just, just get out some of the, man, I've been holding on to this and God wants me to let this go. So that's where we're going here today with this. Hey, here's the bottom line. Don't let failure define you, let it refine you. That's what God wants to do with the failure that we would experience in our lives. So it's an opportunity either to give up or grow up. And if you will use it to grow up, it will prepare you for what God has planned for you. So it winds up being a win-win. So, hey, let's look at a famous example before we get into, uh, we're going to look at a, a portion of scripture and, and learn from one of the uh, great, great uh, persons in, um, in the New Testament. But before we do, uh, just let, let's look right here in our nation. I'm going to tell you about somebody, probably you'll figure out who I'm talking about along the way. At age 22, he lost his job. At age 23, he was defeated in his run for state legislature. At age 24, he failed in his new business. At age 26, his lifelong sweetheart passed away. At age 27, he had a nervous breakdown. At age 29, in 34 and 45, he was once again defeated for political office. At age 45, he was defeated in his run for U.S. Senate. At 47, defeated in his nomination for vice president. At age 49, once again defeated in his run for Senate. And at 51 he became president of the United States. And you all know, right? We're talking about Abraham Lincoln, right? And historians will tell us that the failure that he had to navigate through over all of those years so shaped and molded the character of that man that it, it fitted him and formed him to be able to handle that incredibly difficult time and that incredibly difficult post he had as president in our nation during civil war. Uh, Winston Churchill, it's interesting, he, he says this about success. 
And it's a whole lot more fun to talk about success, right? Let's look at the five steps to success, you know? Um, But Churchill said, success is the ability to go from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. I love that. I think that's so good. You know, in other words, we got to realize that it's it's get back up and go after it. So now let's take a look in John chapter one. We're going to camp out here for the remainder of our time. We're going to be talking about Peter. The Apostle Peter. And let's set a little context into what we're going to look at here in John chapter 21. So, so we know that Jesus uh, calls Peter while he's fishing, right? He says, hey, you're, you're fishing for fish. I want to make you a fisher of men. And so Peter forsakes, you know, his, his vocation and he goes after Jesus. He becomes a disciple and part of the inner circle. And then if we fast forward to uh, John chapter 13 and we read about the Last Supper, Jesus talks talks about the fact that there's one who's going to betray him, you know, that they're going to be scattered, right? And Jesus is talking about, you know, his arrest and, uh, you know, his going to the cross. But what does Peter do? Peter says to Jesus, not me. I will never, you know, leave you. I'm not going to go away from you. And uh, Jesus says, not nah, before the rooster crows, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And then sure enough, we get to John 18, Peter denies Jesus, and it says that he went away and he wept bitterly. It says that he was really broken, so broken that he ran back to his old life. He ran back to his family business of fishing. So now here we are in John chapter 21, a few days after the resurrection, and Peter encounters the resurrected Jesus. So let's, let's go through. I'm actually going to walk us through uh, th- this entire story here. So just try to, try to you know, soak in what, what the Lord is saying here. So let's start with verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So how many have read the Gospels and have said, that sounds familiar? That's, that's echoing back to what happened when, when they first got called. Verse 4, early in the morning... Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, the author of the book here, uh, says to Peter, it's the Lord. And I... (laughs) Church, this is awesome. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumps into the water and starts making his way to the shore. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Actually, Jesus could have said, bring some of the fish that I just caught, right? Because, uh, you know, he's being nice, right? So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. 
This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now let's tune in to what Jesus specifically says here with Simon. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. So let's look now at four steps to facing failure that we see, uh, facing failure with unshakable faith that we see from Peter. So the first thing we have to go back, and this is the starting point for us as human beings with, with a spirit and a soul, you know, and a, and, you know, living in a physical body, right? There's carnal, there's solical. Uh, I, can't un, I can't overestimate this. This is really important. We have to deal with the emotion of failure. First step in having unshakable faith is facing the emotion of my failure. Peter failed Jesus three times, and he had a pretty strong emotional reaction to his failure, right? It, we, we had said he, he went out and he wept bitterly. You know, he was filled with shame. He went back to fishing and is just kind of wallowing here. Again, uh, we saw that in, in John 21, the first three verses, right down to verse three. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And so they said, all right, well, hey, we'll go with you. When, when we fail at something, whether it's a job, a relationship, uh, a personal goal that we set for ourselves, we face a barrage of emotions that oftentimes will make us want to throw in the towel, oftentimes will make us want to quit, make us want to shrink back or, or just be paralyzed by it. And here's the truth, the more closely we identify ourselves with the thing that we failed at, the harder it is, the more it hurts and the greater the sense of loss that we feel. You know, uh, we're all prone to this as human beings, but a lot of times men are so prone to finding their identity in their job, in what they do, that, you know, psychologists and, and healthcare workers and, you know, folks in the, the wellness fields recognize that retirement can be a vulnerable time if people don't enter it uh, correctly because everything that that person may have found their identity in for the last bunch of decades, now that's changed. And it's like, now what? You know, so, uh, and, and that's not just in that particular season. That could be finding our identity in any number of areas where we might sense a loss or a failure. So the key to dealing with those emotions, church, hear me, it's not in avoiding them, but it's in, it's in moving through them and getting to the other side so that you can focus on the future. Some folks, they'll, they'll have trauma. Uh, they'll be arrested by those things. You know, the term is arrested development, you know, and folks will be stuck because of being just entangled by the emotion and the pain and the, and the suffering that came from the loss. Philippians 3.13, Paul says, no, dear brothers and sisters, 
I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Right, so we're going to look in a couple of steps here. We don't want to forget the past with make, without making sure we glean from it so we don't repeat the past, especially when we're talking about failure. However, whether it's success or failure, we need to let the past be behind us. We need to not be chained to it. We want to let whatever happened catapult us into the next thing that God has for us. Can you say Amen. So psychological studies show that there are serious emotions that people go through when they fail, and particularly when they fail at something that's important to them. Shock, fear, anger, blame, shame, despair, just to name a few. And here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with those emotions after a big failure. It needs, it needs to be worked through. The, the problem comes is when we get stuck in one or more of those emotions. So two thoughts here on, okay, when it comes to working through the emotion of the failure, how do we do that? Number one, we need godly people around us on the other side of a failure. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, we've said this many times, but one of the greatest strategies of the enemy is to get us to isolate, either to isolate us or to get us to isolate. And it's so important when we're, we're feeling low or, you know, working through that we have people around us that can push us forward, not, not just people too, godly people, can you say amen, that can push us forward, encourage us not to get stuck in some of that, those things that could paralyze. And then the second thing that we can do here to push through the emotion is we have to go to Jesus with our failure. We just have to go right to him with it uh, because he's gonna be there to get us back on our feet and he's gonna move us forward again. Hebrews 4, uh, 14 to 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So understanding these things will help us now with the second step that Peter shows us on how to have unshakable faith in the face of failure. And it comes out of this bringing it to Jesus. We need to allow our failure to draw us closer to God. We need to allow our failure to draw us closer to God. Initially, Peter's failure pushed him further from God. Initially, You know, uh, he was a spiritual leader, he failed, and then he kind of gave up, and he went back to fishing, right? Whenever the storms of life come at us, church, we can either let the storms push us further from God, and what does that mean? Further into trouble. Pushing away from God and into more trouble, or we can allow the storms to pull us closer to God and into his arms, right? Come on. Isn't it one of the sweetest times when, when in your pain, you know the Lord has his arms around you? Isn't there something, uh, you, you, you know, precious that gets developed in our walk with God when, when in the pain we recognize, man, I brought the pain. In this case, we're talking about failure. We bring the failure to him and he says, I've got you and I'm going to bring you through to the other side. Uh, so initially, Peter went the other direction. But again, what I so love about Peter uh, is, you know, uh, he, he didn't stay in that place. And here's the thing. Jesus didn't give up on Peter. And he's not going to give up on you. Amen? 
He's just never going to give up on you. Here's the cool thing. Peter has got, can you imagine how the enemy is having a field day because he ran away from God and all the emotion and now he's getting stuck in it and everything else. And all of a sudden, this voice from the shoreline, hey guys, how'd the fishing go? And, and, and John turns and goes, it's the Lord, it's Jesus. And now Peter's got the understanding. He came looking for me. Amen. He didn't give up on me. It's not true that it's over and done. And, and, and hats off to Peter. You, you know, again, back to verses 7 and 8. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, man, he went full Forrest Gump, right? The, do- the, the, the boat is not docked. He just jumps right out and just starts, you know, kind of chugging his way to the shore. The other disciples eventually followed behind. Uh, Peter took action toward Jesus. He didn't wait. It was immediate. He's there. I'm going in after him. So let me ask, church, where are you today? Is there a relationship that's ended? Maybe a marriage that's on the rocks? A job that you just lost? A career that's not working out the way you wanted it to? Is there a sin in your life, a recurring thing that you just can't seem to conquer and you feel totally defeated? When you fail, that's when you need to be like Peter, jump out of the boat and run as fast as you can into the arms of God. Amen? Amen? Praise you, Lord. He'll pick, up, he'll pick you up off the ground. He'll give you the strength to overcome whatever's going on, and, and, and he'll help you move forward into his goodness. You know, let me add another very relevant perspective to what we're talking about today. <clears throat> We're going through unprecedented times, right? Agreed. That, and, and you want to know what those, the times of difficulty, they're not behind us. We'll walk through some more difficulty. There's some more storm to come. That's not me being prophetic. That's anybody who's not in a coma uh, pretty much could just go and throw that one out there, right? You know? Um, but, but here's the thing. We're going to pray. I'm talking about individually. I'm talking about in our families. I'm talking about with business. I'm talking about with choices. I'm talking about in all of our decisions. We're going to pray. We're going to seek God. And we're going to move. And there's going to be times where we heard it clearly and we nailed it. And there's going to be times where we go, oops, blew it. Yeah, my job has changed. You know, the, the, the market has changed. Wow, these relationships got strained. All of this polarized in the nation. And now, now th- this stuff is all going on. And we're going to look back and we're going to see times where we're going to say, I failed at that. I missed that. Th- this is a relevant message f- for any time. But it's a relevant message for now. And I want to encourage you. Notice if we're, if we're in the Lord and bringing it to the Lord and walking this out the way Peter models it for us, we're going to stay under the covering grace anointing of God. And we can claim like, like Deuteronomy 31.6. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Don't panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. That's Deuteronomy 31.6. I think it's a great one to grab a hold of and, and just, just have assurance in as we walk through. I, 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 again, I want to be very careful in the balancing. I'm not, when I said the bumpy road is not over, I'm not saying, I, I am saying the opposite. I am not saying we're living in defeat. I'm saying the opposite of it. I'm saying don't let the failures along the way move you off of God's plan to bring you into the place of his total assured victory. Amen? He's got you and he's going to bring you through. 
We just have to make sure that in this process that, that we, we don't make this assumption that, that, that it's going to be just this perfect, you know, I mean, it, it, again, experiencing failure is a part of just walking through and it's a part of learning. So that leads us to the next step here. And we're going to start winding down with this, just watching the clock uh, of our last two steps. And, and this one is so important. If we leave this out, we could walk away with a very unhealthy allowance of failure in our lives. So I want this to counter that a little bit. Number three, we need to identify and learn from our source of failure. It, so, so, you know, we, we work through uh, the, the emotion of it, that, that's on the front end, we bring it to God, but we have to identify and learn what was the source of my failure. So, you know, somebody says, man, man, this relationship failed. We have to stop and we got to look at. So what, what was in me when I look in the mirror that I see that needs to be different in me so relationships can be healthier, if anything? You know, oftentimes, it, it, how many would know, it's very, very rare that it's 100% the other person, right? You know, a lot of times it's easy to say, well, if they were this, then I would be that. A lot of times, we could, if nothing else, we could turn around and say, all right, maybe I can't change them, but I can change how I respond to them. Oh, my goodness, I'm looking back on this. You know where I failed? I lived in reaction mode, you know? I'm not going to react to people. I'm going to choose how I, I, I respond. You know, maybe it's as an employee, you know, oh my goodness, I have to, what was the source of my failure? What was the source of my, my uh, being fired, my business closing, whatever it is? Uh, identify and learn from the source of failure. Now, one of the sources of Peter's failure uh, was pride. Remember we go back and Jesus told the disciples, you, you know, um, hey, this night I'll be betrayed. And Jesus said, or, uh, Peter said, I'll never betray you. Now that was coming from love. That was probably coming from, hey, Jesus, I'm the guy you renamed the rock. Come, I'm not going to fail you, you know? And, and, and it's, it's an arrogant attitude. And Peter learned, I want to I point this out to us today. He learned from the source of his failure and he made some changes. So now I want to bring us back quickly to this exchange where Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? So interesting, in, in the Greek language, there's different words uh, for what we often use. One English word, love is one of them. So Jesus, here's what happens. The first time, Jesus says, do you agape me? That's 1 Corinthians 13, the God kind of love, right? That's the love that covers all, conquers all. That, that's, I mean, that's God love, right? Jesus says, do you agape me? Notice Peter's response. He doesn't say, Lord, you know I agape you. He says, no, Lord, I filio you. That's Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. That's, that's brotherly love kind of love. Peter takes himself down a notch when he responds back to Jesus. Peter, do you agape me? Peter's just, just a wide open book. Lord, you know I filio you. Interesting, Jesus comes back the second time. Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I filio you. The third time, Jesus, Jesus is restoring Peter here. Jesus says, okay, so Peter, do you filio me? And, and, and notice Peter's response, Lord, I know you know all things and you know I filio you. And Jesus says, all right, feed my sheep, get up. Right, there's, there's, a, there's a response in Peter on the other side of his failure 
I mean, he failed, and then he failed by running away, but that, that didn't become permanent. That didn't seal the case for him. He, when he saw the Lord still looking out for him, he ran back after him, and now what, what Jesus is doing, he's restoring him again. He's saying, all right, so you learned. You know, you failed, but through your failure, you learned humility, and now I'm restoring you back to service. You know, Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good, uh, the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Last thing I want to encourage us with, we're closing on this. The fourth thing is we need to listen for and obey God's new plan for our lives. You know, we get off course because of failure. God is looking you know, like the GPS, recalculate, let's figure out how to get you back on track. By the way, it, is it only my GPS or does yours have a little bit of an attitude in its voice when it says it's recalculating? My wife said yeah, that might be a little paranoid. I don't think so. I think there's a little attitude. It's, it's not just like recalculating. It's like recalculating, you know. Thank God God's not like that. The Lord has said, all right, I've, I've restored you. Now here's what to do. And that's where we ended, right? In, in, this, uh, in reading the, the full story here in John 21, picking up again at verse 18. Very truly I tell you, Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Get back up off the ground. I'm reinstating you. Go after it and follow me. So when we give our failure over to God in exchange, he gives us a new plan. He gets us back on course, back on track with a new direction. There, there was a, a great, uh, very wise Christian businessman, author Zig Ziglar. Uh, he's gone home to be with the Lord. And he said, failure is a detour, not a dead end. And, and that's a good picture of what God desires to do with us. We have all these emotions, you know, that we looked at, you know. Uh, God replaces those, gives us faith. And then he says, I'll get you back up again. Uh, and now we'll get you moving forward in my good plan for you. Proverbs twenty four sixteen: the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Now that was true with Peter. On the other side of this, we read in the book of Acts, Peter is a pillar in the church. He's a pillar in the Jerusalem church and council. Uh, he's the vessel that God uses with this vision to show what the New Testament church is going to look like. The mystery of the church, the one new man, that you're not going to have to be, uh, become Jewish to become Christian. But there would be Jews that would receive Messiah and there would be Gentiles that would receive Messiah. And we are the, the one new man in Christ. That was all through this vision that Peter got. And the miracles, right? Amen. And the signs and the wonders. And the missionary work that happened through Peter. But you know, when the book of Acts ends, the story about Peter doesn't end. And Peter continues to be a leader. And, and historians tell us that there came a day where Peter, like Jesus, was arrested. Uh, and, and Peter, he was arrested for his faith in Christ. The Roman Empire became more and more hostile and violent toward Christians. And Emperor Nero would actually burn Christians at the stake. And thousands were crucified the same way that Jesus was. And when Peter was arrested, the Roman Empire wanted him to renounce his faith in Christ or die. A, a die a painful, torturous death. They wanted him to say, Caesar is Lord. But... Uh, the early Christians would say, Jesus is Lord. 
And Peter, whose failure was denying Christ, now with his life in the balance, refuses to deny him again. And he says, no, Christ is Lord. Amen. And so the response, they sentence him to death, death on a cross. And, and this Peter, who was experiencing so much failure, he, he now says, you know, I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as my Lord. So he asked his persecutors if they would crucify him upside down on the cross. And he died on the cross upside down, never again to deny Jesus Christ. From fisherman to follower to failure to being restored to being a leader to being a martyr for the faith. That's the unshakable faith that God gives us when we take these same steps that Peter had when in the face of failure. Right? So, so pulling this all together, let me ask, and, and again, watching online here in the room, um, what failure are you facing today? You know, again, oftentimes we cope rather than deal. So could it be that there's some that, that you've been coping and you've put it in a dusty place and God wants to heal that. God wants to unchain that from your life. Maybe it's, it's being in a place of defeat and shame and, and the Lord saying, I've got more for you. I will bring you into a place of overcoming, but I need you to not run away from me. I need you to run to me. And I need to, for you to listen for the plan I have for you because in my plan, you'll walk into that victory. Maybe it's a career failure, uh, a financial failure. Again, something relational, uh, something in your heart that you just know isn't right. Uh, if it's handed over to God today. And, and I, as we close in prayer, I, I'd say, let's just break the, the uh, whatever emotion and garbage that's become stronghold um, and just give it all over to God today. Like I said at the beginning of the message, maybe just leave it behind. And then if you're not, if there's nothing discernible that you have in your life now, may we go from this room pioneering in this very difficult season of life that God has called us to. That failure will never be something that pushes us away from God. But any time that we would experience it, we would just drive into his arms each and every time as we go through our journey with him. So why don't we close in prayer. Father, as we close service here today, we are so grateful for your love for us. We are so grateful, God, that it's your desire to lead us into wisdom and to lead us into your thoughts and your ways. And Lord, even as we understand that and know that, we know there are times where we'll realize we've missed it, we've messed it up. Lord, we pray in the go forward that we would be those that would recognize how important it is to immediately bring it all over to you, bring ourselves to you, and allow you to speak to us and heal us and, and, and give us your good plan in the, in the go ahead moving forward. And now, Lord, I pray for everybody and anybody, whether we're here on campus today, watching online, that that's carrying failure baggage that's in a place where failure has, has diminished, has driven them away from you. Lord, we just make this an opportunity to say no more to that in the name of Jesus. Lord, we make that uh, a fresh declaration to say Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior over all that we are. 
And Lord, praying for every person who needs to say, I'm coming home, I'm jumping out of the boat, I'm swimming to shore, I'm running into the arms of God. Lord, I thank you for those that are saying that now, that you're at work in their lives in a powerful way. Lord, we pray everything that's been paralyzing, that you would heal those things. Lord, we pray that you would grant the gift of repentance. Lord, that you would bring each one to a place of total surrender to you. And in that, Lord, may they have ears to hear you, to to walk out that good path and plan of victory that you have for them in the days ahead. So, Lord, we say in this that we're yours. Have your way. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.